Hey everyone, I'm Amanda. And I'm Allie. We are so glad you've joined us today. Our podcast is a platform for women to share their stories. We have a different woman share a story on the first of every month. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but in the end, it's always encouraging. Be sure to hit subscribe so you'll be alerted the next time we have a podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, livingoutloud.today. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you will enjoy the show. Now it's time to meet our next guest. Hey, hey, it's October. October. I love October. You love the candy. I love the candy. And I just think trick-or-treating is so much fun. And I know some people choose to do Halloween and some people don't. And I I fully support and understand why people choose not to do Halloween. Yeah, I do. And there have been a couple of times my husband's talked to me about it. And I'm like, I just think the dressing up is so much fun for our kids. Because they dress up every day anyway. Mm -hmm. But there's just so, it's something so fun about going door to door and like talking to people. My kids are so social. Yeah. And they just want to talk to people and to be able to get candy from people. I just can't take that away. <laughs> We're going to have a costume party. So it's like you could call it um, fall dress up instead of Halloween. That's right. <laughs> Well, we're going to have a costume party, like I told you, and you and Wesley have to come as a duo. Yes. Well, and would be perfect because my dream for this third baby of mine would be to come into this month Mm -hmm. on the 31st and that we show up in the hospital in our Halloween costumes in October. (laughs) That would be awesome. Yeah. What what are are you telling what you I mean, the easiest thing I could think of is avocado toast. Yeah. And be toast. That's what y'all should be. And be avocado. And get the pictures. Should I get the actual outfit, or should I just get a green shirt and literally cut a circle and stick my belly through it and paint it green? Do the homemade. Do the homemade. That'd be cute. I love it. Okay. Okay, so I have a silly question for you. Because we actually, my son, my oldest son, the prankster son, he comes mm-hmm. up with these crazy things. But he was asking, he did a like a list of mm-hmm. who, and sent it to my sisters, like which animal would you be? Like which sister would be which animal? And he already had yeah. some animals picked out. Okay. And um, so anyway, my question to you is, have you ever, like if you thought of yourself as an animal, what you would think of yourself as? Well, the first one that comes to mind without me really like thinking in depth would be a giraffe. And I think that my high school <laughs> friends, if they listen to this, they would get a huge kick out of this because growing up, really, really tall, really long legs, so tall and lanky. And just like, not that I'm not coordinated, because I'm very coordinated, but it's just the effect of having long legs and a tall body. I mean, sometimes you're just lankier and clumsier. Yeah. And, or it just looks like things take longer for you to like walk or, you know, <laughs> flip or whatever yeah. because you have longer limbs. And so I just, it, it makes me laugh because I think of a like baby giraffe that's and like giraffes their are legs so, all split out like because yeah. they're so long. And they don't giraffes are so cute and cool though. They're, they're cool. So that's a cool animal. Mm-hmm. And I don't think yeah. of you as clumsy though. Are you yeah. clumsy? I don't ever see you like falling and tripping. No, it's just, I think more of like. The long and lanky. Like, yeah, long. the long and lanky. Yeah, you are long. Look. For sure yeah. long. Well, I'm thinking about me in middle school. <laughs> like well, maybe. giraffe. <laughs> I, okay, I gotcha. I, I didn't know you in middle school, but. Um, so, mine is, this is weird. I have no reasoning for it. Okay. But I've always just thought peacock. A peacock. And I don't mean it in a good way. 
Yeah. Like, I don't think they're cute. Like. Or anything. Yeah. Like, I just think peacock, and I don't know why. So. It's weird. Like, does the hair stand up on your back and you get mad or upset? No. Or? <laughs> I, I, I literally have no reasoning for it, except yeah. for, like, that's what I think of myself as. That's a peacock. Yeah. A bunch of different colors, and. I mean, <laughs> fan. Uh, I, mean, I don't know. I I'm trying to trying to put it together. Yeah, but, but no. listen, this is kind of funny if you want to do it in your family. If your yeah. family's not sensitive, because <laughs> <laughs> do they feel me getting hurt? My sisters. He he did one for all my sisters and my mom. And <laughs> oh no, <laughs> it was oh, no. hilarious. The pictures of uh, a few of them. They didn't get their feelings hurt. We yeah. all got it. We yeah. all got it. So well, good. Okay, so not an animal, but do you have? Do you have a different name in your family? Or, like, do you call, like, Cade a different name when he's doing a certain behavior? Or, like, Camden or Connor or yourself? Or do you, have you renamed yeah. people in your family? Yeah, for, like, their behavior of what they're doing. Yeah. But a different name. For sure. Like, my sister. I think I've shared this a long time ago, but, yeah. like, I call her 220. Yeah. And it's all because when we were in high school, we shared a room. And she just decided that we would clean out our drawers at 2.20 a.m. in the morning. Oh. And I was asleep. Okay. She emptied all of our drawers. <laughs> like, it's hilarious now because yeah. I'm just like, sometimes Whatever. I'll be like, hey, 2.20. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, well, we have renamed our children. Um, <laughs> and it started at our family vacation, but we have um, Planner Polly. Okay. Which is Pasley, the okay. oldest, because she has to know the plan. Yeah. And so we call her Polly. And she knows it stands for, <laughs> because I'm a planner. You know, which means, like, stop asking me the plan. Yeah. When we say, okay, Polly. Um, Brooklyn is, which it's not a B, but she is Ingrid. Because it stands for intensity. Uh-huh. She is very intense. So when she starts getting intense, we're like, slow down, Ingrid. Like, she just knows. And then um, Bentley is not a B either. He is Henry. And so when we call him Henry, it's because he is hangry. <laughs> and we call him Hangry Henry because he gets hangry a lot. So we're like, Henry, stop. Your dinner's coming. That's and we'll cute. just call him the different name, and they just have learned to realize, like, what that means. That's so fun. It's yeah. fun when you have inside names that you're... Because it makes everyone laugh. Only your family understands. Yeah. It, except we all understand it. Yeah. So and it's like you're picking something about that child, but not in a way that's, like, mean. But it's, like, at the same time, like, stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but they know that's just how they are, and we love yeah. them anyway. Yeah. I love it. Well, Cade, he... We went to Disney World... I mean, Disneyland... Um, a few times, but the first time was when he was younger, and he is very adventurous, not scared to ride scary rides. Not that this is scary, but for me, I don't like a lot of, like, roller coasters, but this is caught for him at the young age that he was. I mean, he was very brave. Yeah. He did the Incredicoaster, and, um, like, it's named after the Incredibles. So I call him, um... Incredicadester. Oh, that's Because his name is Kate. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, just stuff like that. They, yeah. they do that. They kind of pick up their... Yeah. You know, Connor. I call him Coaster Connor. Because uh-huh. he's always loved roller coasters. Yeah. And um, Camden, I have a few for him. Cruiser Cam. Uh-huh. Because he has always just been a little, like, cool yeah. cruiser. Uh-huh. You know. I can see that. Cam Bam, just because he yeah. goes. But... Yeah. Nicknames. But that's fun. Yeah. Do you have it's, a favorite thing this month? Um, you know, what, 
thinking off the top of my head, this pregnancy has been hard for me to stay hydrated. And I carry my big bottle around and it's almost like more discouraging in this season because I look at it and I see <laughs> that I have barely had any. And before pregnancy, I would have had most of it yeah. gone at this point. And so I have found that I need ways to stay hydrated. And um, I tried one of my friends when she brought us dinner, she brought a peach body armor. Have you tried body armor? Yeah, well, it's yeah, the Kobe I've Bryant it. brand. Um, and I would always just like if I need something like that, I was going to go with a Gatorade or a Powerade. But this is the Peach Light uh, body armor, and it tastes really, really good. It's yeah. just like a good treat if you want something other than water, but you don't want like a Coke or something carbonated. Yeah, and just put it on ice, kind and good. it's just a good. I haven't really, I've tasted it. I haven't really drank them, but um, yeah. my nieces and nephews really like them. Yeah. So after our workout. And, mm-hmm. So that's cool. Yeah. Well, mine is the LO Low Worship album. It's, oh, it's an yes. EP. They, um, it came out in August. Okay. But I'm still loving it, and I don't think I've shared it yet, but... What I love about it is Sadie Robertson, her ministry, Live Original, mm-hmm. She, um, they did a worship EP, and there's like four songs on it, but I love them. They're very catchy. Not yeah. only are they just very worshipful, love the words, the lyrics, but they're very um, catchy, and I like the range. You know, a lot of times songs, they're awesome and you love them, but it's not easy for everyone to sing along yeah. with them. Yeah. These are very, I think, good for just anyone to sing yeah. along. And just, um, so yeah, check out oh. the Low Worship EP. Where do you find it? I got mine on iTunes. So I'm oh, thinking okay. you can get them anywhere, Spotify, okay. yeah, anywhere you get music. Awesome. We are thrilled to welcome Amanda Clement to our podcast today. She is married to Mike Clement, who is the hitting coach for Ole Miss Baseball. Woohoo! Way to go. We have a lot to celebrate for Ole Miss Baseball this past year. Um, But I want to take a second to read a part of her story, and then we are going to jump in and just kind of dive in more into details of what God has done in her life. At the age of seven, she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. At 15, she added polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS, to her health resume. After several years of unsuccessfully trying to become pregnant, they felt called to pursue adoption. The adoption process was a battle, to say the least, and she talks more about that, with three unsuccessful matches. After the third failed adoption, they decided to start with their original doctor, and after five years of countless attempts to conceive with the assistance of fertility medicine and IUIs, God finally answered their prayers and they were blessed with a healthy son, Sweet Cooper. He is now three and a half and serves as a daily reminder of God's miracle-working, faithful character. After a shorter stint through unsuccessful attempts to conceive once more, she was introduced to a new doctor in Memphis, and after much prayer and pleading with God to make his will known to them, they they underwent IVF, and she is currently pregnant with their daughter. One of her greatest joys in life is having the opportunity to be a stay-at-home wife and mom and to serve her family as a homemaker. Welcome, Amanda. I'm so excited to have one of my friends on our podcast today. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on here. 
Well, I want to tell our listeners really quick how we know each other and Allie, because you really don't know either. I know. Yeah. So we met, was it seven years ago? Yeah, I think so. Uh, so Cade, it, he just started sixth grade, which is who is my youngest son um, for our listeners. And when he started kindergarten at Regents, Amanda was one of his teachers. Oh, and okay. so we've been friends ever since. I just fell in love with her. And um, she's just so sweet. One of my favorite things, favorite memories of that first year when we met, we could have met when he was in pre-K-4 and you weren't his teacher yet. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But um, one of my favorite memories is I would write little notes and send them in his lunchbox. Uh-huh. And sometimes they would be scriptures or sometimes they would just be like inspiring things of like, you know, I love you and God loves you or whatever. Right. But she would send me videos during the day of him reading them because you know, oh. they were like, trying to learn how to read. That's and so, so sweet. It was the sweetest thing to say. And that was so thoughtful of you to just it is. think wow. of me. And so, Aww. it was so sweet. Well, there's a lot of fun memories of having Kate in kindergarten. Let me tell you. Fun, high energy kiddo. Yes. <laughs> a little dance. I can yeah. imagine. That's amazing. Yes. Well, he's definitely the explosion of our whole family because he's <laughs> two older brothers. He has to be. Way yeah. older brothers who actually have moved away. They've graduated. And um, so this is his first year without them. And so wow. Lance and I are his best friends, which I'm sure he's thrilled about. <laughs> <laughs> but he is still that fun uh, personality, but he has matured a lot. So it's been kind of cool to just see you know, he's learning to tamer that yeah, or tame that yeah. to, um, but I'm like, be yourself. You just have to learn like when to, he's never been a kid to like get in trouble. He doesn't ever want to cross the line. Um, but he's just fun. And so he's learning like the first day of school, his idea, he had a fun idea of like, he was like, mom, wouldn't it be hilarious if I ordered fake sideburns? And wore them to school and tell my friends that I grew them out. Over I'm the like, summer. that's hilarious. <laughs> um, and they will all laugh. But you have not met those older teachers yet, like the new teachers. Right. And I don't want them to think you're like a troublemaker because you're not. Um, and so the next the morning he woke up, he was like, you're right, mom, I'm going to wait until after we have a break. And then, so anyway, that's just funny to me because um, Camden was so much like that. And then he totally was not like that. You know, it's cool how they just grow, but they have that little bit. Still have, they're they're still themselves, but they kind of mature it. Yeah. So anyway, Amanda, um, we're so glad to have you to share your story. Um, So, okay, as uh, we read in the bio, your husband is the hitting coach for Ole Miss and Congrats. had an amazing summer here in Oxford <laughs> that we yeah. have to Omaha. I have a feeling it's going to be an amazing fall and an amazing spring. And it's just going to, Oxford's going to be on a little bit of a high for a while. Yes. It was the best memory. Like we, we, my, our family had so much fun and we were so grateful that we were able to go to Omaha and just experience that and be there. And we were just so happy for you guys. It's you like, we already love Ole Miss baseball, but when you know, and are friends with, uh, you know, like you and Mike, it just makes us 
so much more excited for you guys who put in all the work. Makes it more personal. Yeah. Yeah. My four-year-old wanted to know why daddy was screaming at the television. <laughs> through that, throughout that weekend. Those, um, those videos that have been recorded are some of my husband's favorite things to watch in the evenings is like watching people's celebration videos. He loves it. Um, okay. It is really cool just to know like how many families got special memories that will last them a lifetime. And it, it makes me sad for the people who weren't able to get out there who I know really wanted to be there because what a special season. Oh, gosh, really yeah. cool. We we're very thankful for that. Well, Amanda, you've got a story to tell us, so we're just going to let you do that. Share it with us. All right, awesome. Well, I guess the other big part of being Cade's assistant kindergarten teacher was that was the year we went through the adoption process and or started the adoption process. And so I know that Amanda and her family prayed that God would move mountains on our behalf that year. And um, for whatever reason, and that'll be part of what I talk about, God didn't end up um, letting us adopt, but that was a big year with Kate in there and those sweet little babies helped me get through a lot that year. So, Um, but yeah, well, I guess I just want to share kind of how God has um, put his fingerprints all over our story of infertility and the adoption process and the highs and lows of the baseball season and how they all kind of parallel together with um, having God's peace through whatever storm we've gone through and seeing rainbows at the end. So yeah. that's basically what God's put on my heart to share. And I want to make sure I told Amanda at Omaha we were seeing together. It was easy to visit with Amanda because the rebels were doing what the rebels were doing at that time and winning. <laughs> and so we were able just to casually talk without being nervous at all. Yeah. Um, and I don't think she knew. I think she hinted that I was pregnant again, but she didn't officially know. And so we were catching up and I was explaining to her just how this all came about with the second pregnancy and all got it done and um, took us through IVF and all that. And I sat there and I told her, it wouldn't be worth it to me to be pregnant again if I couldn't give God the glory for it because it's been a lot of highs and lows, but he's been with us through it all. And I want to make sure that he gets all the credit for what he's done in our family because it all, um, all the glory belongs to him. Yes, absolutely. Well, and we kind of read a little bit of your bio, so we can go ahead and start with the first question if you're ready. Yeah, sure. Go for it. So tell us more in detail, what ways have you experienced God's present in your recent experience with infertility? All right. Well, um, I always think it's kind of funny because in high school, I feel like the health teacher makes it sound like you can just look at the opposite sex and get pregnant right away. And I get that's why they tell high school students that. Yeah. (laughs) But what I've really found is getting pregnant is nothing short of a divine miracle. And I feel like that's exactly what it took for us to get pregnant with Cooper and the second pregnancy. Um, Both times it just took God completely stepping into our journey and making it happen. Um, I was reluctant to go to Memphis Fertility Associates um, because many years ago we had gone for a consultation and I felt the Holy Spirit really steer us away from IVF at that time. And so that's what made us pursue adoption. And so we left that appointment and like went straight into um, going for trying to make an adoption happen. Um, And then after two years of going through that, the adoption process didn't work out for us. So we went back to our original doctor 
who we absolutely love in New Albany, Dr. Williams, who so many women in um, the area have used and love. Uh, but unfortunately, he had to close his practice for personal health reasons. And that kind of left us at a total loss and being back at square one. And I can't really remember why I was sharing this with my pastor's wife. We attend Pine Lake in Oxford and Allison Smeltzer was just checking in on me, um, probably like around March of 2021. And I was asking her, I was sharing with her <clears throat> that many of the doctors that I had called after I found out Dr. Williams couldn't see me anymore and weren't going to be able to see me until late fall of that year or even as far out as January of 2022. So I was feeling kind of discouraged, kind of at a loss. And a few hours later, Allison uh, texts me and she's like, I hope you don't mind. I totally got in y'all's business. If you don't want to go to this appointment, you don't have to. But I reached out to my old sorority sister from Ole Miss and we were diamond girls together and I explained to her that your husband's a hitting coach at Ole Miss, told her your story. And she's a doctor in uh, at the Memphis Fertility Associates in Memphis and she will um, schedule you in. All you have to do is make a phone call. Wow. So, um, and then, so yeah, I sat there and was like, okay, uh, well, I guess I'll, I'll talk to Mike about this, <laughs> but what makes this even better is I just assumed they were like, you know, best friends. They were sorority sisters, diamond girls together. And, but what I came to find out is that Allison hadn't talked to her in years and sent her a Facebook message. <laughs> so, uh, when I found out that my pastor's wife had Facebook messaged her on my behalf, unbeknownst to me, I was like, okay, divine intervention. Step number one, God is in this. We have to, um, go through with this. So, um, that kind of got the first part of the ball rolling for my husband and I, and from there on, God just continually and clearly answered prayers one after another. And, and I'm, if you don't mind, I'll just keep sharing ways that God did that. Yeah, <laughs> um, please, please. So along those lines, um, I remember the night before my embryo transfer and all the emotions that go along with that. I had a sweet college friend send me a sermon from Paige Brown and she asked me to listen to it um, before it expired. And I hadn't listened to Paige Brown sermons before. I don't know where I've been the last couple of years of my life, but um, <laughs> life changing for sure. And I had forgotten all about it until his bedtime, literally the night before my transfer. So like, I just want to go to bed. And I was like, that link expires. I told her I do it. I felt like I owed it to her. So I listened to it and the entire sermon was on Hannah and her pleading in desperation for God to answer her prayers for a baby. Oh, wow. I just like when it ended and you know, her sermons are long when it ended, I just got on my knees and thanked God. I just felt like he had sat on the bed there with me and I just had never felt more seen. I really felt like God had just seen me, hugged me, confirmed he was about to do a miracle in my life. And I just had to give him my desperate prayers and let go and trust. And it was just a moment that I, I hope I never forget. I don't think I will. But then <laughs> moments like that continued to happen. So anytime I'd get in my flesh and doubt and be anxious, the next thing I know, I would hear another sermon speaking on that topic that I was internally debating or hear lyrics to a worship song that I'd heard, you know, many times that just really spoke differently differently to me that day. And it just showed me how intentional God truly is when we allow him to be, I guess, 
that's a big part of it is like when we want him and invite him into our process, he's there and ready to show up. So, um, those were some cool stories, (laughs) but wait, it gets better. (laughs) Our church, and, and I know Amanda knows all about this. Pine Lake does um, a prayer challenge in February called P28 and um, basically just pick something that you want to commit to prayer for the month of February, an area you want to see God move in. Well, since we weren't new to infertility and we weren't new to adoption, we had made that our P28 plenty of times. And this year we were like, whatever God wants to do. If he wants to give us more babies, fine. If he doesn't, fine. Let's pray about something else. And we didn't discuss it together, but we both chose Ole Miss baseball um, in our own ways. I think I was mostly praying for Mike and I'm not totally sure Mike was, Mike was praying for other things for the team and the season. But at the end of the day, it was that, you know, God would grow the program and the players characters and pour his favor on them. And so obviously those prayers were answered too. Um, But we, on a side note, are in a small group but not everyone knew the details of where we were in the journey because we have just come to know that after many letdowns and, you know, we, we are okay with it, but we don't like to put people in awkward situations. And so we've just decided to kind of stay guarded and who we share what's going on with so that people don't get super excited with us just to be let down. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had told them, you know, somewhere in the process that we were going to pursue IVF, but we, we, they didn't know like ex- exactly where we were in the process. Anyways, one afternoon, I could not shake the feeling that I should tell a certain couple in our group. I just kept feeling the spirit tell me in my soul, I needed to text this friend and let her know that she and her husband might want to pray that we were going to be having our embryo transfer. I think it was like the next day or sometime soon. And, um, I know Mike's not like super comfortable with me sharing. I'm an open book. (laughs) I'm like, there's at this point of life, what else is like, if people can't learn from our story, then I don't know why we're going through this. Um, but I'm a female and he's not. So (laughs) that probably, that probably plays a lot into it. But I was like, I don't care if Mike's not happy about this. I really feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me I need to text this friend. So I texted her. And she immediately replies and she is like, Amanda, I am driving in tears. I haven't wanted to tell you, but you and Mike were my P28 for the month of February. I've been praying that God would give you a baby. Wow. And I don't know why God put that on my heart. I really didn't want to get in y'all's business, <laughs> but I just had, I haven't, she's like, I haven't even told my husband that that was just a private and prayer that I have devoted for y'all for the month of February. And I mean, I just sat on the couch. was like, God, again, you are so awesome. Like awesome. So that was, um, pretty special to just experience once again, divine intervention. Um, and so from that moment on, I truly had a sense of peace that like, Literally everything was going to work out. God has just shown up in so many ways. I was like, is there really any other? And I could go on and on. I know I've talked a lot just on this one question, but I had to go see a specialist that I didn't, I was kind of mad that I had to go see him because I know I'm healthy and I've already had a healthy pregnancy. And I was, why am I having to drive to Memphis just to see this specialist? 
it turned out to be a church sermon where the pat that not the pastor the doctor like went over scripture with me and told me he'd be praying for me and confirmed that we were on the right path doing what we were doing seeking god in this process and i left that appointment being like all right well god once again I, this is really fun <laughs> this is like just getting to experience god that intimately continually is really exciting so those are i don't know those are some examples of um how god just continually showed up for our process i think that is amazing and there's so many things i'm thinking about like just going back to when you started talking about your story of you thought it was god's will for you guys to adopt at the time and how it fell through i mean i remember that like yesterday it was like seven years ago six years ago um and then fast forward how many years after that did you say that you got pregnant with cooper so we were talking i think our twins were in 2016 we proceeded to go through adoption for like another year and a half ish and then i got pregnant with cooper in 2018 so about two and a half years i feel like or maybe two yeah about two and i don't know from the oh are y'all there did i yeah. mess that Okay, I feel like I pressed something on. Um, I think about, I think we gave adoption about two and a half years, but about probably two years before we were pregnant with Cooper. Okay, so I just think about all of that and the timing of that and just, you know, you guys thought that was God's will for you guys. It fell through and it was heartbreaking. I know that God showed you guys a lot through just even that. And yes. then getting pregnant with Cooper was a miracle. I mean, I just remember praying with you guys and for you guys about that, um, mm -hmm. which I felt was so long. And then that was a miracle. You had this healthy, beautiful baby. Um, he is incredible. And then mm -hmm. think about fast forward, you guys trying to get pregnant, what you just shared with us about how God used Allison Smeltzer and just that whole thing, the P28, the prayer, um, all of that to God's timing, like his ways are not our ways. But he's always working and I, you know in john 13 7 it says you don't understand you don't understand now what i'm doing but someday you will um and i think today you can look back and probably go you know that was hard but god taught me a lot through just the the journey of praying um and the timing of it, it all coming together now even with winning the world series for the very first time <laughs> after years of you know laboring for that praying yes. you know just god's will in that and becoming pregnant with your second child which is a second miracle all at the same time it's just what it couldn't be any more perfect timing no you're right and it, it is god's timing like and that that's another thing with all of this is um the women who are blessed with being able to time out a pregnancy that is a gift and then there's like in the in the teaching world it's ideal to have a baby during you know a break when you can you know not have to do maternity leave or all of that but we never had that you know um fortune and in a baseball world you get like i don't know november december and january are your ideal times to have a baby well guess what God has allowed me to have a baby 
hopefully in November and one on January 16th. And every bit of getting pregnant has been out of our hands. It has been up to when I'm supposed to show up to an office and when God decides it's going to happen. Um, it is yeah. as unconventional as possible. <laughs> so well, God's timing. Yes. The verse five, John five seventeen says that Jesus replied, my father is always working. And so am I. So that's just another good reminder, but everything that you're saying, Amanda, I've shared this before, but really quick, it goes perfectly with your story because I had my first two sons with so easy getting pregnant. Um, nothing mm -hmm. out of the ordinary. And then, you know, I really wanted to be done except for I do get very, very sick when I'm pregnant. And so any normal person would be like, I'm done. They have a sibling, I'm done. But God would not let me be done. And I wanted to be done because I really get bad sick. But so whenever we were trying to have our third son, you know, it is fun. Like what you were saying, it is fun to try to pick out, oh, I want to get pregnant and have my baby during this month because it's not hot mm -hmm. or this month. Because, and, you know, I always said, that I trusted and knew God was in control. But when I had two miscarriages, I realized, realized that he really is in control. Right. You are not going to have a baby unless he allows it. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, we had Cade and I always say, there's nothing that can replace those babies. And one day I will meet them, but Cade is supposed mm -hmm. to be here. And I love being able to tell Cade that you are mm -hmm. supposed to be here because mm -hmm. I would have stopped. I wouldn't yeah. have had Kate, yeah. you know, and mm -hmm. the timing, the spacing of, you know, my two older two and Kate is not like what I had planned. It's really far apart, but it was God's plan. And so I, I do like to always share that because it goes perfectly with your story today. But, you know, I have a friend who, you know, her dream in life, she would always joke, like, I didn't know if I wanted to get married, but I knew I wanted to have a baby. Yeah. I knew I was supposed to be a mom. Yeah. And she had um, a miscarriage, went through some inf infertility. They ended up adopting um, and has never had a biological child. Um, wow. But that was not God's plan for her, you know, mm -hmm. but she loves her adopted daughter just like, you know, she is hers. And she looks back and she's like, I wouldn't change anything. This is God's story. Yeah. For me. And so everyone's story is so different, but I think, the big thing to focus on is that God is in control. God is always working. His ways are not our ways. His timing is not always our timing, um, but we mm -hmm. can trust him and he's always working. And I, I think about your story, Amanda, y'all's story of like the journey that you've been on, you know, it's all to bring him glory. And what a story now you have to tell, even through the heartache. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yep. Um, so we've talked a lot about your journey with IVF and I'm really curious about the process of adoption and kind of what, how you went through that, what, um, what you experienced in that season of your life. Yeah. Um, so just like I said, getting pregnant is a divine miracle. I feel like a successful adoption is too. <laughs> um, I feel like we gave it our very best and for some reason it just wasn't meant to be, but our desire to adopt really started when um, Mike's watching Mike's brother and his wife adopt a precious baby boy from Ethiopia. And they brought him to America at one, he's about to be 11. 
and he has just brought so much life and joy to our family. And we were excited to follow in their footsteps, but because of Mike's demanding schedule as a college baseball coach, we were going to do domestic instead of international because we knew how much they had to travel and, you know, just stay for extended periods of time. And we knew he didn't have that freedom. So a friend had suggested using an adoption consultant, but they had had success through. And so we went that route. It was supposed to go a little bit faster than if you just went with a an adoption agency. And I don't know, looking back, if that is, you know, it was just a different process. Um, for us, it felt like car shopping because we would get files of moms, like multiple ones every day. And while we were praying that we would be open to adopting any child of any race, of any age, of any, um, well, I guess we had said a baby, but we weren't very specific in our limitations, but then we'd get these cases emailed to us every day. And it, for whatever reason, we just were like, no, let's, let's wait, let's keep praying. And then that, and then that one would go away. And the next day there'd be another one. So it was really, really hard to like, get your heart in that mindset of this is the one. Cause you knew by three o'clock in the afternoon, you'd get another file. And mm-hmm. um, so we did not enjoy that process at all. Um, and it just, the adoption world is messy and broken. And it seems like it should be so easy to just come alongside these moms and help them through their journey and, and, and do whatever you can to support them and help their baby, you know, give their baby the life that they want to give them. But legal tape and state laws and everything seems to make that really complicated. And so it just got really discouraging to us. But I'm sure there's people listening to this who have had successful adoptions, like Amanda just said. And that is truly a victory worth celebrating because it wasn't our story. But anyways, we did go through it three times. We went through three failed adoptions. Each of them, we felt like God took us to them for specific reasons and then they'd fail. And then we were left with wondering what we were supposed to learn from that process. But our first one was in November, the, the um, year that I was teaching Cade and a case came along with a mom of twin boys and it seemed relatively low risk. And so we went ahead and presented our case for her to see if she wanted to be a match with us. And she selected us. And we were, um, it was right before Thanksgiving. So we were super excited, ready to um, start a new year with the babies. They were due in January. Well, they were born December 10th. And actually, I think they were due in February and they were born December 10th. So they were really early, but they were healthy. And so we just drove to Oklahoma with our two little car seats, ready to meet our babies. And they um, were gonna stay in NICU obviously for a while. And so we met with the birth mom. She was great. We met with the social worker. She was great. Um, We had a wonderful relationship with the NICU nurses all for a week. And then when it was time for the birth mom to go to court to sign off, she changed her mind. And that was, that was it. We weren't allowed. We'd already signed the birth certificate um, and named them and they were ours. But 
then they're not. So that's just the way the system worked. And, um, you know, I, to this day, I don't know. I haven't checked in. I don't, haven't heard from the social worker what their situation is. Um, but that was hard. So we came, we just left Oklahoma after about eight days and um, spent the holidays with our families, kind of in, still in shock, wondering what God's purpose was and all that. Um, but I always say I'm so thankful that we didn't get them home because that would have just been, if we had brought them home and introduced them to our family and then the adoption had failed, which is what happens to, you know, you hear those stories that would have just added a whole nother layer of grief. So we got through that. And after um, processing the, you know, grieving that process for a while, uh, we got another case presented to us that was relatively low risk. And this time the mom was in prison, but would obviously um, be released to have the baby. And she wanted us to have the baby. And she was located like an hour outside of where my parents live in Cleveland, Ohio. So this was during baseball season. So it worked out well. I was going to go stay with my parents while um, we did all the like background work. And then when it was time to sign the paperwork, Mike would fly out, sign the paperwork. We'd have the baby. And if I had to stay in Ohio for a while till court stuff cleared, I'd be able to stay with my family. Um, so that one was on the up and up. We went, the mom, the birth mom had requested that we meet at Taco Bell. And so my mom and I drove uh, the hour to Taco Bell and met with the attorney. And we watched the mom walk out of Taco Bell. I hadn't met her yet. Uh, I was sitting in the car when we pulled up. I watched her leave Taco Bell, get in her car and drive away. And that was all I ever, that's where that one began and ended. Like she never returned phone calls. She never returned texts. She never got back in touch with the attorney. Um, a few months later, I did get a phone call saying she was ready for us to have the baby, but we never, we said, well, she signs the paperwork. We'll come. But if not, then we're not coming. And we never heard back. So that was round two. <laughs> and, and then round three, it was like, okay, well maybe third time's the charm. So, um, our social worker came to us and not our social worker, the consultant, the consultant came to us and said that she had a low risk case. This one was pretty straightforward. Um, she was part of a Native American tribe in Oklahoma, and they had already signed off that she had, we had to be presented to the tribe and the tribe approved us. And um, it was very clear the the birth mom and the birth dad were on board for adoption. And we would have, all of these were going to be whatever level of open adoption the mom wanted. We were open to, we weren't looking for a closed adoption unless it's what the birth mom wanted. So I think this one was, I, we had committed to taking the baby out maybe once a year um, to meet with the tribe. And we were on board. We were excited. Well, she has the baby and the hospital staff encouraged her to nurse the baby and she connected with the baby and decided she was going to raise it, which at that point I was like, all right, maybe she, maybe she was called to be a mom. If she felt that connection and that love with that baby, 
it was, you know, I hope that it worked out well. Um, but it was also the third failed adoption we've gone through and we're like, enough is enough. We have given this, what we felt was our very best, um, trusted God in it. And to this day, you know, it's like, I don't know why it hasn't, it didn't work out when there's such a need and we were so willing, but I know that he has a plan clearly, and I'm not going to question that anymore. And, um, I just might not ever know on the side of earth why that had to happen. Um, but it really makes me appreciate people who do have successful adoption stories because it's not easy. And even when you get through the adoption, then the legal, like the court dates and the denying the rights, and it's all very it's complicated and it takes, <laughs> it takes a lot of faith to go through that journey. So, um, well, thank you for sharing that with us. I know it's not easy to relive a lot of that. Um, so many letdowns. Yeah. What advice or words of hope, um, would you like to share with our listeners that may be struggling with infertility, um, or just going through some tough seasons in life in general? Yeah, um, I was going to say back on that, on just ending with the adoption, it was kind of with the same thing that you just asked. Um, I just remember all the time during those failed adoptions, God just saying to me, just, you know, it would be so easy to be angry and be mad and be really bitter. And we had people ask us why we weren't bitter. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't in us to be like that. I mean, there are sad situations. Um, with the birth, what the birth moms are experiencing, I mean, it's sad. And I just kept being reminded by God that he is faithful. He is good. He is just, it will all make sense someday. It doesn't have to make sense to me right now. And Romans 8, 28 kept coming to my mind that says, we know that all things work for the good of those who love him, who've been a call, who've been called according to his purpose. And that was my go-to verse. And then you know, Psalm 147, three, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds, which was just the bandaid I needed for my soul because there were sad days, a lot of them, but knowing that God was there with us and he wasn't doing anything out of and being unkind because that's not his nature and brought me a lot of peace. But anyways, back to your question. Um, what advice and hope. I just hope people know they're not alone. I mean, whatever their struggle is, whatever their journey is, whether it's infertility or IVF or any of it, like, I think it's important to feel like you're not alone. I think the enemy wants you to think you're alone. Um, but I don't know if it mentioned in my bio, but I am, I help with Explorers Bible Study as a group leader. And this last season, we had a potluck luncheon at the end of the year which gave us time to have some fellowship. And it was the first time in the year that the ladies knew that I was pregnant. I, I mean, this was in um, May and I found out I was pregnant uh, just re like a couple, I don't know. I don't, I can't remember, but recently. So, um, well, I guess I found out in March. So um, they knew and we were talking and it turns out that there were two women in my group that I had been with the entire year that were going to the same clinic in Memphis that I had been going to. And we just didn't know um, because we didn't talk about it. And so when we sat there 
and talked, it was just like a breath of fresh air. We all had our stories. And as women do, we love to share. We love to hear. We need that. And it was, it was this great like bonding moment. And now fast forward to a couple months later, and we're all very invested in each other's story because now we're each other's cheerleader. It's like, wow, let's just keep praying for each other. But we didn't know because we didn't talk about it. And so, um, and we all agreed like, gosh, I wish I had known. Um, so I think it's important to find, to be open, to be willing to let people pray for you. Um, I had my workout group praying for me on the days I went to my IVF appointments. The Explore Bible study group was praying for me, the leadership staff. Um, obviously our families were, but you know, just anybody, because we need people to be praying for us. We cannot go through life alone. Um, cause that's how that's where the enemy gets us. I think, that, I think you're absolutely right. The enemy does make us feel like when we're going through stuff like that, that we don't need to share it for different reasons. Some people just may not want, mm-hmm. but, but God knows that we do need each other. That's where community comes in and the enemy knows that that's going to help us. So we, um, I love that you encouraged our listeners to, to just make sure that we have each other and that we're, we're sharing with each other. 